If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to share this morning a message entitled, Humility Helps. Humility Helps. The question is, how do we live out the gospel in these trying times? We look around in the world today, natural disasters such as we have seen and witnessed this past week, political situations, seductive and new theologies that are being taught, relational problems that surround us and we struggle with. How can we be kind and compassionate during such difficult times in life? The first thing, and a very important part of this, is to recognize that these challenges are not new. That these challenges and difficulties have been an issue for mankind since the beginning of time, and they were issues for the early church and the believers in Scripture as well as us today. And so if we recognize and realize that these struggles and difficulties that we are facing are not new, that these struggles and difficulties have been a part of humanity and certainly a part of the church since its very beginning, then to recognize and realize that any advice or any instruction or, or evidence that is given in God's Word to help with those things are as true today as they were when they were given in the Scriptures. And so with that in mind, I want us to look at Philippians chapter 2 and see what God's Word says in regards to some of these struggles. We're going to pick up in the very first verse, and it says this, If therefore there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Unity in mind, that's a very important part of this message today. Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one single purpose. Do nothing from selfish selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. That ought to jump off the page at us. That ought to catch our attention and grab our thoughts. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. Having the same attitude of Christ. Who, although He existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied Himself, taking the form of a bondservant, in being made in the likeness of men... And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Humility helps. This little church at Philippi, there were people from differing cultures, from different backgrounds, from different social status. And because of these differences that were being melted together, difference in attitude, difference in outlook, there was a struggle that was taking place. There were, they were focusing on their differences. And so one came from a culture that said, oh, we need to be humble. And part of that had to do with the fact that they had come from a slave background. And slaves by nature were taught to be humble. Others came from a background that they were not slaves, they were free. And because they were free, well, humility really wasn't something that was important to them or that they felt was necessary for their life. Some came from a background that they were very submissive to the government and the government controlled many aspects of their life. Others came from a background where the government had nothing or little to do with how they lived their life. And so you have all of these differences, these differences in, in attitudes, the, these differences in, in their cultural backgrounds, and, and these differences in their social status and standing in the community. And I look at that and I think about isn't that really what the church is today? I mean, we're just full of people who are different. We're not all the same. We wouldn't all want to be the same, would we? I mean, let's face it. All of you wouldn't want to be like me. I know that. Right? But, hey, I might not necessarily want to be like you either. So we're different. We come from different backgrounds and different cultures. I, I talk about, you know, growing up in West Virginia. And things that we did in West Virginia, we don't do in Oklahoma. It's just different. It's in the same country, but we have differences in our upbringings and our cultural backgrounds. I never will forget, as a young person, one of the first experiences that I ever had with a funeral. Someone had passed away. I didn't go to the funeral home for visitation or any of those types of things. The body lay and stayed in the home. And when the body was in the coffin in the home, then people would come and visit in the home. And when they would come and visit in the home, people would bring food, and that's a custom that we have here, but, but people would bring food and people would stand around and eat. And they'd visit and they'd talk. And they'd mourn and they'd share stories and experiences and knowledge of the deceased individual and encourage the families. But it took place in the home. It didn't take place in a funeral home. It didn't take place, uh, you know, at a church or someplace else. It took place in the home. And, and so it wasn't for many years that I attended a funeral that, that it was done differently than that. And so different cultures. Different backgrounds, different upbringings, different 
social influences in our life. And, and I would imagine this morning that we began to talk about those types of things, that there'd be a lot of differences here. A lot of differences in how we were brought up and things that we experienced as we were brought up in life and, and all of those things. And so, so here's the warning. So we have all of these differences. What holds the church together? The church needs to be present here in Philippi for an influence to share the gospel with those people. The same thing is true today. The church needs to be held together in order to be in this community, in order to influence, in order to share the gospel with the people that are here. So what holds the church together? What keeps it with all of its differences in cultural and social and backgrounds and upbringing? What keeps it from coming apart? And so Paul writes to the church at Philippi and he says, here's what we need to understand. This is how we stay together. And the way that we stay together, he says, begins with, in, with, with humility. And then he says this. Is there any encouragement in Christ? Well, there's one thing. Any consolation of love? There are two things. Any fellowship of the Spirit? There's three things. Any affection and compassion? There's four things. And he said, what I really would like for you to do, instead of focusing on your differences, I want you to focus on what you have in common. And so the first thing he says that you have in common is, is there any encouragement in Christ? Do you understand that as believers, as Christians, we are all in Christ? We have that in common. Yes, we have differences. But we also have commonality. And we need to focus on that which we have in common versus focusing on that which we have that is different. We are quick to focus on our differences. We are quick to look and say, oh, we're different in this way. We're di- well, I prefer or I like or, you know, we say those things real often. I, I like it better this way or I prefer it like this or, you know, and, and you, the list can go on and on. We could begin and... How the service is conducted. We could talk about music. We could talk all kinds of things. And we all have differences of preferences in what we like and what we prefer. But let's not talk about those things. Let's talk about what we have in common. And what we have in common is that we are all, as believers, in Christ Jesus. That He lives in us. That we have been adopted into His family and that we are a part of the family of God. And that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And we have that in common with one another. So, so let's focus on the commonality of what we, you and I share with one another. And we share the truth that we are in Christ. If there is any encouragement in Christ. If you are in Encouraged by that commonality. The second thing he says is this, consolation of love. I, I was brought up in a home with a great deal of love. I'm just going to tell you, you know, hugging, kissing, expressing that love was a very common thing in our family. I, to, to, to this day, if my father were still with us, 
when I saw him and we greeted one another, when we parted from one another, it would be with a kiss. Love was a very common thing. I grew up being taught and believing that God loved me. And God loved me in a special and unique way. And as I grew up understanding that, at some point in life, I'm not exactly sure when, but at some point in life, I was told that God loved you just as much as He loved me. How could that be? No, 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 He loves me. And He loves me in a special and unique way. But according to God's Word, He loves you just as much as He loves me. In fact, His Word says that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever. That means all of us. He loves all of us exactly the same. And whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Guess what we have in common? Not only that we are in Christ, but we have in common that we are loved by Him. And we are loved by Him so much that He was willing to send His only Son to die for us. We have that in common. There, there's no difference in His love for you and His love for me. There's no difference for, for His love for anyone who is willing to believe and accept Him as their Lord and Savior. You are loved. I am loved. All of humanity and mankind is loved by God. And you and I, as believers, have accepted that love and received that love, and then in turn, extend our love back to Him, and we have that in common. Fellowship. Of the Spirit. That's the third thing he says. If we are a believer, if we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then we have all experienced the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of the Holy Spirit moving in our lives really in four basic areas. First is the convincing, convicting work of the Spirit. The convicting work of the Spirit convicts my heart of my sinfulness. The convicting work of the Spirit tells me that I am a sinful person in regards to the perfectness and the purity of God. It convicts my heart that there is something wrong with my sin. It convicts me to know that I should do something about that sin. Then that is the converting work of the Spirit. The converting work of the Spirit says there's sin in your life and you need to change. It converts us or changes us from living the sinful way of life to now following the truths of God's Word and living by the Spirit versus living by the flesh or by the world. And so it is a convicting work. It is a converting work. It is a convincing work. The work of the Spirit then moves in my heart to say to me that if I believe the truth of God's Word, then I must convert or begin to follow the teachings of the Scripture. I must begin to follow the truths of God's Word and apply them to my life. And then it is a conforming work. And the conforming work says that gradually, little by little, I am changed into the image of my Lord. That I follow 
in His footsteps. But every person who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and believes that He is the Son of God and the Savior of mankind has the work of the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts and in our lives. And it does not matter. It does not matter how young we are or old we are. It does not not matter how long we have been a believer or how short we have been a believer. The Holy Spirit, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, He says that God promises the Helper will come and live in us. And so we have the work of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, moving in our lives to change and transform who we are. Now here is where the problem comes. The problem comes with pride. Because pride becomes a roadblock to these commonalities uniting us and bringing us together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Because pride gets in the way of us recognizing and understanding these principles of commonality that we've just talked about. Pride says that I want to focus on our differences, not on what's common. Pride says that our differences are what sets me apart from you, and I'm proud of who I am, separate from you. And so then I begin to focus on the differences more than I do on what we have in common. And when I do that, it begins to, what, separate us. It begins to divide us versus unifying us through the commonality that we have. So, so how does pride affect me in my relationship with the Lord? Well, we go back to these, these four truths that we were just talking about, and we begin to recognize and to realize as, as we look at it and, and that we are in Christ or that we are loved by Him, or that the Holy Spirit is at work in us, and we look at that and go, a few things. First thing we might say is this. Well, I know that His Word says that I should behave this way, or I should do this, or, or I, I should act in this manner, but, and there's where we get in trouble, I think I know better. I, I think my life would work a lot better if I go this direction. I think my, my life would be better if, if I do it this way rather than do it His way. And so our pride gets in the way of our relationship with the Lord because we are not willing to submit ourselves and surrender our hearts in humility. Remember, humility helps. In humility and following the teachings and the instructions and the principles of God's Word and obeying them accordingly. My pride says, so hang on just a minute. I've been around a little bit. I think I know better. I think my life will, will work better this way or that way if I do these things or those things instead of just obeying God's Word. Instead, instead of just following the truth of the Scripture. How does pride affect my relationship with others? Well, it's very obvious. If, if I think more of myself than I should then it gets in the way of the relationship that I share with you. If I think that I am more important, then, then it's about what I like. It's about what I want. Or it's about what I think is best, not really about what you like. I, I really don't care mu too much about what you want. It really doesn't matter to me a whole lot of what, about what you think is best. It matters most to me 
what I think is best, what I like, or, or what makes me feel good, or, or satisfies me in some way. And so pride gets in the way, and what we have to understand is pride is one of the things in God's Word that God's Word tells us He hates. No, it doesn't talk a lot about the things that He doesn't like. It doesn't talk a lot about the things that He hates. But this is one of the things that is mentioned multiple times in God's Word that God hates, and that is pride. Why? Because pride gets in our way of our relationship with Him, and pride gets in the way of our relationship with other believers. And He's calling us to unity. He's calling us to harmony. He's calling us to work alongside one another and with one another. And if we allow pride to get in the way, then we can't accomplish that. Go back and look at that text again with me and see what he says. Picking up with me uh, in verse 2. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind. Unity, harmony in mind. Maintaining the same love. Oh, you have the love of God. I have the love of God. We have love for Him. We have love for one another. The same love. United in spirit. Oh, the same Holy Spirit is working on your heart that's working on my heart. The same Holy Spirit is affecting your life as He's affecting my life. And so all of a sudden He says, listen, if there are any of these things that are common among you, then let those things have their influence or impact in your life intent on one single purpose. It's not about what you want or what I want. It's not about this direction or that direction. He says, there just needs to be one thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing is what he says. Let's keep the focus there. Not on all of our differences. Not on all the the things that separate us. Let's focus on the things that bring us together. He says, how do we do that? Well, listen to this real practical instruction. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. Don't let your pride or your selfishness dictate how you behave, how you act, and how you talk to others and how you treat others. Don't let it do that. He said if you let your selfishness and your pride take control of how you act toward others and talk toward others and behave toward others, he said it's going to have a negative effect. Don't let that happen. But, he says, on the other hand, with what? Humility of mind. Let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Boy, do we struggle with that. (laughs) Right? In our world today, who's most important? Me. Look out for number one. Nobody else is going to look out for you. You take care of yourself. You look out for you. You're number one. I mean, you know, I could go down. I'm not going to do it today, but I could go down the list of our, our advertisements in the world today. The things that they talk about you deserve, you're worth it, all, all those types of things, right? Why? Because it's, it's all about me. And he says right here in his word, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Let me ask you real practical today. Just this, this room, do you look around and do you look at every other person sitting in here and say generally in your heart they're more important than me they're more important than I am their feelings their life 
their hurts, their joys, their struggles, their victories. They're more important than I am. Most of us don't think that way. Most of us think exactly opposite of that and that we feel we're more important than anyone else. Ever been driving in your car and there's a long line of traffic and something's holding us up and suddenly this car goes zooming by and they want to get up there and cut in front of everybody else? Because why? They're in a bigger hurry? They're more important than I am? What they have to do is more significant than where I'm headed or what I have to do? That's the attitude of our world. The attitude of the world is I am most important. I am most significant. And God's Word says as believers, if we're going to have the impact in the community in which we live and the people around us and we're going to live out the gospel each and every day, He says, then let, let each of you let, of mind, humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. Looking out for other people. Having a servant attitude. Then, then notice what he says. Verse 5. I remember we stopped there and said this ought to jump off the page at us. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. What, what is that attitude? He, he then defines that for us. It's an attitude of humility. Notice what he says. Who although existed in the form of God did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. But rather, he says, he emptied himself, humility, taking on the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He says, listen, if Jesus who was in the perfect throne room of heaven, in the presence of God, the creator of the universe, his father, was willing to humble himself, take on the form of a bondservant, take on the form of man, and come and surrender himself in obedience. Remember in the garden? He prayed and he said, Father, if there's any way this cup can pass from me, let it be, but not my will, but your will be done. Obedience to the Father, obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross, the Scripture says. The humiliation, the embarrassment, the suffering, the pain, the sorrow, all that He endured. If He can humble Himself to take that position on your behalf and my behalf, and Paul writing to the people at church at Philippi and that same message to you and I here today is have this same attitude, have this same mindset that I'm willing to be humble. Humble to the point of obedience. Remember that? The relationship pride gets in the way of, the, of our relationship with the Lord. Pride gets in our way, way of our relationship with others. Why does it do that? Because we begin to focus on us. Versus focusing on him or focusing on others or being obedient 
to Him or being servants to others. And then He goes on and says this, Therefore, also God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those who are in heaven and those who are on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Humility helps. Humility helps us in our relationship with the Lord. Humility helps us in our relationship with others. Humility and and coming together to focus on that which we have in common versus focusing on and the things that we have in as differences that separate us, that drive us apart. And that unity when we come together under the headship and the lordship of Jesus Christ and as we surrender our hearts humbly before Him, putting others ahead of ourselves, and not just in word only, but in deed, coming to the point, not that we say, hey, hey, listen, if that's what the majority want, I'll go along with it, but I'm going to sit here and wait until the opportunity provides, and when it does, I'll say, oh, I told you so. That's not humility, and that's not unity. Saying, well, it's not what I want, it's not what I like, but, but I'll be willing to go that way if, if that's what everybody else wants to do. That's not true humility. Humility is saying, hey, listen, I'm willing to step back. And I'm willing to follow through in the direction that we need to go, and I will support it 100%. I will be behind it. I will do everything I can to help it. That's what Jesus did left the throne room of heaven and came to earth, wholly committed to the Father. He didn't say, listen, I'm not willing to, that's not the way that I think we ought to do this, but I'll do it that way. He didn't say, hey, listen, that's, that's, I'll, wait, I'll just sit back and tell you when, when I, I'll say I told you so, not to do it that way. He said, listen, I, not my will, your will. I will follow your direction for my life. That's true Humility. That's true obedience. And that's what makes a difference. And so, so humility works. And whenever the opportunity presents itself, focus on the unity, focus on that which we have in common, allow those things to override any differences, and follow in faithfulness the truth of God's Word. And then we become a body of believers that can truly impact our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ.